right, good evening, everybody. I'm a little chilly. My fault. Just couldn't get over this drastic change from, what, 70 and 80s to... I'm not grumbling or complaining. I'm just growling a little bit. Just a little growl there. Thank you. Let's all growl together. No, no. (laughs) Tonight we're going to be in Romans chapter 6, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. Romans 6. And we'll pray and we'll get started here. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to get into your word. Another chapter, another wonderful explanation of our faith. As uh, Paul, just so masterfully by your Holy Spirit, uh, writes down and explains what it means to believe, to follow. um, What it looks like after salvation. That there's more to it than just um, entrance into heaven. But there's also a freeing that takes place from Uh, the bondage of sin in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand it. We probably already do, but Lord, I pray that it'd be very real to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes when I read Paul, he's, he's, I've said this every time we get into it, but he's very intelligent. But some of the things that we go over tonight, I believe we know. Now, if you're a new believer, you may not know it, and that's fine. But as, a, as an older believer, every time I come to the Bible, I'm always like, is there some secret message that I'm not understanding, you know, a deeper meaning? No, there, a lot of times there just isn't. Um, and, but he's writing to a group of people that don't know. So it's the first time they've heard it. So I don't have to overanalyze it, and I don't want to too much. It's a common, uh, this chapter is a common thought for Paul. In fact, he shares it probably in three or four other, other of his epistles in other places, almost, almost exactly the same. So when you hear, like in the book of Acts, that Paul stayed, stayed someplace and uh, taught with them, reasoned with them in the scriptures, you know, uh, for every Sabbath, for who knows how long he was there, you can be sure that this is one of the things he talked to them about. It's a foundational understanding of our faith. And so, a very important one to get. And, and you probably know, again, but if you don't, hopefully you'll understand tonight. He says in verse 1, what shall we say then? Based off of everything we've read so far, 1 through 5, what do we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life, not in death. He's going to go over it. He's going to say the same thing 12 different ways tonight because it's that important to understand. I think you'd have to be a special kind of person (laughs) to actually come to the conclusion that after you've gotten saved by Jesus Christ, that you should continue to live in the sin that he freed you from. I think most of us understand that, that that confession that we're supposed to make before God, that this is sin in my life, is a confession that causes me to turn from it, to repent from it. I mean, that's the whole point. Otherwise, you're probably not saved, honestly. To come to Christ and to put Jesus in your back pocket and not understand that you need to repent or turn from your sin is to not be saved. You don't understand what he died for then. 
So everybody that is saved, everybody that has come to an understanding of salvation through Jesus Christ understands that when I confessed to God that this is sin, I turned my back to it. It doesn't mean that you don't occasionally stumble back into it, fall back into old habits. That can happen. But the key word here is, shall we continue in sin? Like I live in it. Do I dwell in it? Do I go on like it's not a problem? And Paul says, certainly not. That's about the most blasphemous thing that Paul could think of, is to ask Christ to forgive you for your sins and then to continue to live in them. As if there's nothing wrong with them or that his blood will just... It's just taking advantage. It's, 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 uh, it's an abusing of the relationship. Sometimes I feel a little fiery up here, and I don't mean to. But we are in a relationship with Jesus. Think of it as a human relationship, like you would with anybody else, a friend, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, depending on however you want to think of it. It's a relationship. And we're the bad part of the relationship. I don't know how else to put it. He never does anything wrong. He's always sweet. He's always kind. He's always for us. He's gracious, merciful. He forgives us all the time for all the things we do. And for us to see that beautiful friend of ours, beautiful husband of ours, and to see all those characteristics coming towards us, flooding us with this unconditional love, for us to look at that and to say, eh, and to, and to continue to say, um, well, I knew you'd forgive me anyway. That's why I went ahead and sinned. So you forgive me, right? Good. Okay. That's an abusive relationship. It's wrong. We all know this instinctually, but we, I don't know if we ever understand it, that that's what we have with God. God came down to make our relationship with him correct. We've been separated. We've been broken. We broke fellowship with God by being rebellious, adulterous, whatever you want to say. We have gone away from God. And God says, I will make it right with you. I will reach out to you As the abuser of this relationship, I've never done anything wrong, Jesus says, but I will reach out to you and bring you to me. And as the person who was wrong, or in the wrong, to see this grace coming to us is causing us to just be drawn to him. What amazing, I'll never find anybody like this. This is the greatest relationship I've ever had in my entire life. To say that at the point of salvation and then to continue on in your adultery and to continue on in the things that separated us is foolish. And so I think that's why he says, certainly not. Certainly you couldn't possibly think that way, right? We don't want to sin that grace may abound. Why do you keep committing adultery against Jesus Christ spiritually? I just want you to see how great a forgiver he is. He's amazing. You've got to meet this man, the God man. The man who, who came in the flesh, Jesus Christ, he, he forgives me for all of the sins. Watch this. I'm going to go sin. See, he forgave me. The people look at us like we're crazy if we think that way, that we're trying to lead to him. If he's so great, why are you doing this to him? You know? And so Paul is simply stating something that I think we all know instinctually. Of course, you don't continue to do the things that separated you from him. How shall we who died to sin, live any longer in it. And then he goes on to explain what we mean by that. As a Christian, when you get water baptized, we do immersive baptism. We believe that's biblical. It's what he wants because of this very example that I'm about to share with you. Some people are terrified to go underneath the water, and we understand that. And of course, we make allowances for that. And we, there's no reason to be petrified when you come to Christ, you know. Um, 
but we believe it's symbolic that when I am here in front of everybody to let them know that I love Jesus and that I'm going to die to myself today. I no longer live for myself. I live for him. And we put you under the water, death, under the ground, dirt, symbolically. Thank God we don't bury each other and then dig each other up later. Can you imagine? You got to stay in there five minutes. Oh, no. No, just underwater and back up again. And we've risen to new life. I've died to myself. I've risen. I've left the old man dead, and I'm a new creature or new creation in Christ. I always get that messed up. It's like I memorized it when I was a young Christian as I'm a new creature in Christ, and that's not what it says. It's a new creation in Christ. We're not like new creatures. Okay. I don't know why I do that. But you've died, and you've risen. And so Paul's going to say, that's what that meant. Now, the problem is we didn't really die. So when we came up back out of that water, symbolically, I'm a new creature, but guess who's still with me? Old man. Old, death-decaying, sinful man is still alive and kicking. He's not going to be gone until I'm really in the dirt. That's the problem. That's the struggle, which is what next week we talk about. Okay? Next week is chapter 7, where Paul declares, why do I do the things I don't want to do and the things I want to do I don't do? Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? That's what he's getting at. So he's setting us up for that. He's setting them up for that in this chapter 6. You've died to sin. Why would you live any longer to it? You reckoned it dead. You knew it was wrong. You knew it was deadly. You knew it was bringing you to hell. So you buried it in the water. You came back up. You leave it there. Or do you not know that as many of us, as we're baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. We symbolically died like he died on the cross. When he rose from the dead, we symbolically rise with Christ. Okay? That's the idea. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. So should we continue to sin? No. Should we walk in the newness of life? Yes course. I don't know who. Now remember, he's having a one-sided conversation with whoever reads the letter. He doesn't know who's reading it, what their thoughts are, so he's being very thorough, right? So he says, now, since grace is so great and God has, you know, and he can forgive us for everything over and over and over again, I'm guessing you might have this question, should we then continue to sin so that he can still be gracious and forgiving? No, 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 no. You need to now, as Christians, are no longer that old person, now you're the new person, so we want you to walk that way. Now, that may have been news for them. And maybe that's news for you tonight. I hope it's not. (laughs) What do you mean? I'm supposed to be holy. I'm supposed to walk like God walks. I'm supposed to be like Jesus? Oh, I can do that. You should have known that, or someone should explain that to you when you first got saved, okay? That's what we came to Christ to do. Not only get entrance into heaven, which a lot of people come to Jesus for that, a ticket of some kind, you know, but also to be set free from those things. He's going to explain to us here that we never had a choice before to even walk in righteousness. No matter how hard we tried, we could never do it. Either our motives were bad or our our intestinal fortitude, our guts were weak. We couldn't do it. But he came to give us the opportunity to now choose. In 1 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 9, is what I'm going to read to you. You can turn there if you want to, but you don't have to. Paul says, 
virtually the same thing. Beginning in verse 9, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Food for the stomach and the stomach for foods, but God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God both raised, and God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the member of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that the one who is joined to harlot is one body with her? And the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And he goes on to describe, you need to flee these things and get away from these things. That's a long list. But he's virtually saying the same thing. As strange as it is for us to understand this, the Corinthian church was a spirit-filled church operating in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yes, out of order and a little crazy. And he tries to bring them into order. But they were doing these things in this list as they were saved. So Paul has to pull them aside because apparently there are people that read this chapter 6 that way. The Corinthians being one of them or a group of them. Do you know that that's sin? Mm Mm-hmm. Are you still living in it? Mm Mm-hmm. Don't. That's what you were. But now you're a new creation. That's the old man. So now be a new creation. You need to walk in this. You've been washed. Don't get dirty again. And we've been going. That's a common theme that's been coming up in our fellowship through all the teachings from all over the Bible, whether that's Psalms or Romans or wherever we are, this constant get out of the mud pit. I don't know who needs to hear that because it ain't me. I'm the cleanest. No. But apparently we need to hear it. It's time to stop getting dirty all the time or at least being comfortable there. Some of us have maybe become comfortable there to get out of it. So Paul explains to the Corinthians, that's the new, you need to walk in the newness of life. He just says it in a little different way. Of course we shouldn't continue to do those things. We've been set free. Verse 5, back in chapter 6. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death. Remember what we just read in Corinthians, united together. We're united with Christ now, okay? In the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ... We believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also, so just like, each, just like Christ, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It says exactly the same thing in different words. Die to the old man live for Christ. Okay. It's the same exact thing. Now here's the word change though, because 
Christ truly did let his flesh die. And a lot of people before us have let their flesh die. They've gone into the grave and they've gone on to be with the Lord. They no longer have to deal with this body. We still have the problem. We came up out of the water, but like I said, the old man came up with me. And although I've reckoned him dead, I believed him dead. I want him dead. Please, dead JD, stay dead. There he is. Every time I want to do something good, there's good old dead JD saying, I got a better idea. You know, why don't you live after the flesh? So Paul says, this is going to take some effort on our part. A decision has to be made. I'm reckoning him dead. That's a dead voice. That's a dead man. That man leads me to death, leads me to sin, leads me to separation. I don't listen to him anymore. I listen to the spirit. I walk in the newness of life. I don't listen to him. I have got to reckon that old man dead. We all do. He was crucified. He was killed. We put him into the water. We came back out. Should have, should have drowned him. Should have stayed there. Keep me under a little longer, God. You know, hey, pastor, put me under a couple times. You know, make sure that guy doesn't come back up again. That he does. Until we actually die, until we're actually face to face, we do have to deal with these dead bodies. We do have to deal with our sin nature. We have to deal with it. It's here. But at least now we have a choice. At least now there's, you know, you've always seen the cartoons with the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other. At least we've got the angel now. Before we never had that other option. We've got the devil on both shoulders saying, do this, do this. They just had better ideas of sin. But now that I've reckoned him dead and I've come to new, newness of life, I'm a born-again believer. There's the Lord. My conscience is alive. My spirit is awakened. And I've, I've, it's, it's been resurrected and I have fellowship with God. And now he can speak. And now I hear both sides of it. I have to reckon this shoulder on my left dead. I've got to stop listening to him. That's all Paul's saying. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 17, that's our next place where Paul virtually says the same thing. This I say, therefore, and testify um, in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in their futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ." If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, here's the truth, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God and true righteousness and holiness. It's the same thing. It's a common theme for him. Stop being that old person. That comes up so often. I just watched another TikTok's kind of dangerous, isn't it? Ah, funny. Some pretty funny stuff up there, actually. Came across this Christian comedian, and they said, well, I'm a Christian, and I'm a comedian, but I'm not a Christian comedian. And she went on to describe that I don't have those corny jokes like Christian comedians do, because I do me. Everybody cheered. I'm who I am. Everybody cheered. I'm like... Easy, easy. That's the problem. And I think that's what Paul's probably addressing with most people. Hey, I do me. Me and Christ, we got an understanding. 
Like there's some special deal between you and him. Like some of the sins that he died for, well, yeah, other people probably meant it, but I'm somehow we diminish our sin in his eyes so that it's okay for us to do it and live the way we live because that's just who I am. I'm a stubborn person. And I do my own thing. And that's not why he saved us. He didn't save us to stay the same. He didn't save us to be that old person. He wants that old man dead. And I think we'd be surprised, unfortunately, how much saving we really needed. See, I had a, I had, when you first come to Christ, you come to the Lord and you're like, okay, I've got a list of terrible things. And God takes that confession and takes that from you. you say, oh, absolutely. That's why. And I'm here to save you. And, he, and, he, and you're born again. And then he begins to tell you all the other stuff you forgot or didn't realize was wrong. Being conformed into the image of Christ is a very wide awake moment. As every day you read a little bit more of God's word and he says, you know, I don't like this. No, you don't. I really like that. I gave you like 10 things. There's like 150 on this list, God. I've got to be willing to let God reveal all the old man in my life. Some of my personality traits aren't personality traits. They're just flat out sin. They're wrong, you know? Well, I'm kind of a sour person. I like to grumble and complain. Got a couple scriptures for that, you know? Reckon that old man dead. Leave it in the ground. Let God reveal to you, and I'll say this in the nicest way I can, how much of a dirty, rotten sinner you really are, you know? Because I kind of want to know. Been married for how long? Twenty-seven years. That's okay. She doesn't know either. I'm not. I'm not gonna get in trouble. She's like, I don't know. What is this? Twenty-eight? Twenty-seven? I don't know. Let's count. I can't do the math. Under thirty. You know. Sweet. Man, I was a really bad husband at the beginning. I mean, she's always been great. You know, and. But I think back at the things that I used to do and say that I thought were righteous and holy and correct. And no, those were personality traits that I had attributed to God, but they weren't his traits. They were still me. And I had to realize, well, I'm still realizing, but I'm realizing still that I have a long way to go to be the husband that God ever wanted her to be or wanted for her, you know, um, that he wants to change me into. And so I'm very familiar with this passage. I don't want you to think I'm pointing any fingers. It's like, no, there's old man JD that pops up every single day sometimes. It's like, oh, you know, reckon, 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 reckon. You know, if I squint harder, maybe it'll really be reckoned dead. But I'm going through it too, just like everybody. But at least we need to be honest with ourselves so they can work. I think that's the idea. Just, Just acknowledging it. Verse 12. Therefore, and here's where the work comes in, do not let, I underline that, do not let. He's telling them, the Romans, don't let it. It's up to us. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. In other words, he's acknowledging the fact that it is loud and has lust and is screaming in your ear, and your responsibility as a spirit-filled believer in Jesus Christ is to not let it reign. Don't let it be king. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. That instruments has a little number one beside it. It could be instruments, could be weapons. 
Hmm. Weapons of unrighteousness to sin. Members I get, instruments I get, weapons is interesting because what are, what are our weapons of warfare as a Christian? Prayer. Scripture. It's a sword of the Spirit, but we use it. And I got to think back. Have I ever used either of those two weapons as instruments of unrighteousness? Because we can. I can use Scripture the wrong way. I can wrongly divide the Word of God. That's why he says specifically, you need to rightly divide the Word of God, because we can wrongly divide the Word of God and use it inappropriately. I can use prayer the wrong way. I have to be careful. And not only that, it is just instruments. It can be just the members of our body. Our hands need to not be in unrighteousness or in wickedness. Our feet shouldn't run in that direction. Our mouth should definitely have a... Well, just a big piece of duct tape would probably be best for most. I know myself. My mom and dad had a, a plaque they had bought, and it hung on the garage door on the inside of the kitchen, you know, to the garage door. As they would go to the garage door, there's this plaque. Uh, and I can't remember how it was worded. Do you guys remember? You know, Lord, um, be with me as I go and put your hand over my mouth. Kind of something to that effect, you know. They just knew. And they, they knew so much about themselves that they bought the plaque at the store and said, that's for us, and put it on their door. I need God to cover my mouth with his hand because I know where my weak spots are. That's a wonderful thing to know as a Christian, where my weak spots are. I mean, they're everywhere. You should never be strong in the flesh. Don't get me wrong. But do understand but there are certain areas of our life that just seem to pop up more often than others, you know, sin, old man. Recognize it. Call yourself out on it. But present yourself. So that's what you're not supposed to do, but here's what you do do. Present yourself to God, being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Now he's going to Follow up with that because he knows someone's going to say, ah, not under law, I'm under grace. Therefore, you know, I can do whatever I want to do. I don't know why I did a horse thing there. I just seemed like that was a horse moment. Colossians chapter 3, if you want to turn there. It's the whole chapter, but I, I don't know. Sometimes on a Wednesday night when you guys have been all at work, you're like, you're going to read a whole chapter to me? It's like a lullaby. So... I'll, I'll do my best here to hit the high points. But if you have time, read the whole thing. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden in Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Therefore, Put to death those members which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. And there it is again. In other words, he's saying you lived in them, but we're set free from that, so stop it. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, Wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. 
where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ all in all. And we go on to describe the things you should do. I won't read it all. You can read it all if you want to. Again, another church getting the same message the Romans got, giving the same message the Corinthians got, giving the same message, uh, message the Ephesians got. It's, it's basic, basic stuff. It's so important to understand and to get. So, they heard we're not under law anymore. Therefore, you know, they, they read that, or he's afraid they're reading that like it's a get out of jail free card. Like I have diplomatic immunity. I can do whatever I want to do as an ambassador for Christ and they can't put me in jail. Nobody can touch me because grace covers it all. So Paul says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Just in case your mind went there, he says, don't let it go there. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? We have a choice now. This is what he says. Verse 17, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. I underline that. This is a deep one, I think, in my opinion. But this is the answer to those who say that believing for salvation is a work of man, that God is the only one that can make you believe. Either he makes you believe or you don't. I think this is a, this is a, uh, that refutes. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, while you were in sin, while you were a slave of it, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. It brought you out of that. You believed on Jesus. If that was the only thing was to exercise that little piece of faith that God gave to every human being to accept Christ and to believe on him, that's what brought you out. It's a little side issue, but it's an important one. He is going through a thought process here that whoever you present yourselves to obey, that is your slave owner. You, that's your new owner, okay? So when you sin... You are submitting to sin. You are its slave. And having been set free from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. Now, he's doing a play on words. He doesn't mean we're forced. He's going to explain himself right afterwards, just in case he misunderstood. But the idea is, and he wants it to be very clear, is that just like you were slaves to sin and slaves to unrighteousness, you've been set free from that. So now be slaves to walking in the newness of life. Be a slave to God, a willing slave, a bondservant even. But he uses the extreme. So here he goes to explain. He says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your, so here's what I meant. Just like you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Just explains it. No, you're not literally forced to be a righteous person. No, you've been set free, and now you can choose it. And he says, I'm just using human words, because I know you're weak. He writes rough letters. All I mean is I want you to present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. That's my, I'm committed to it. My mouth will be used for holiness. Can you imagine praying that every morning, what that would be like in your life? My mouth is going to be used for holiness today. Nothing that's not holy is coming out of this mouth. If anything unholy tries to develop itself in my throat, I'm keeping my lips together and no one's going to hear it. It's staying inside. I will not let my mouth be used for anything but holiness today. 
you know how many marriages would be fixed? How many kids would burst forth and bloom because their parents only share beauty, righteousness, dwelling on the good things, psalms, hymns, spiritual psalms? Can you imagine? James says our mouth is like a, just an open grave. It's like a fire. Our tongue is like a fire. It sets things on fire, and it just leaves scorched earth. And that's what he's talking about. Present that little member, James says. He says, it's the littlest member of your body, that little plain tongue, you know. But boy, can it do the most damage. Paul just says, hey, take that tongue and make sure that it's used for holiness. Do that. Verse 20. And this is, this is part of the Romans road, if you don't know the Romans road, but this is part of it. It's very clear. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. You never hear it said like that, you know. When you were in bondage to sin, you were freed up from being righteous. Whew! You know. And so he's going to switch it. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? The things that you confessed, the things that you admitted were sin. What was the fruit of that? Can you remember the fruit? Yeah, I can remember the fruit. For the end of those things is death. That's the fruit. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. That's the new fruit. That's the new fruit. So I have this old fruit that was bringing me to death, all the sin that I did. That brought the fruit of death into my life. But I've got this new fruit and the newness of life, and it's holiness. And it's wonderful fruit to eat, and it's everlasting life. And verse 23 is the Romans wrote a part of it, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Very simple, but boy, doesn't he explain it well? It's kind of like we needed it. It's a very simple understanding. I mean, it's a simple concept. Saved from sin so that I don't have to sin anymore. Now I've got an option. I've got a choice. The path that leads to death and the path that leads to life. And I'm on this life path and I'm getting this wonderful fruit in my life. And I need to stay here. At no point should I ever be over here walking, even though the lust of my old man is always whispering, saying, this road's fun, this road's addicting, this road pleases the flesh. It's like an itch that needs to be scratched. You know? Anybody ever have the chicken cocks? Don't scratch. I always wondered why. Well, because you'll scar. Oh, that all? I'll take the scar, you know, all day long. Itch it till it bleeds. That's when it stops, you know? Our sin is just a... Terrible itch. Don't scratch is the idea. Go walk in the newness of life. Go walk and follow the Lord. Walk in holiness. You know, there's fruit there. There's life there. Now we're all set up. That's it. We're all set up for t- for next week. Next week is chapter seven and eight. I think we kind of got to do both. That'd be a stretch. So read seven and eight so you understand them together. We may only do seven. But read 7 and 8 so you understand there's the problem and there's the answer, okay? So you understand it. 7 is, I've got the dead man with me and I can't do the things I want to do. Chapter 8 is the power of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. Giving us the ability to do the things that we want to do. to The ability to not do the things we don't want to do anymore. It's by the Holy Spirit, okay? So that's where we'll be next week. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the time we've had in it this, this evening. Thank you for Paul's thorough explanation.
of what it means to walk in the newness of life, what it means to reckon the old man dead, and help us to do that. It's a very simple prayer, God. Tomorrow, even starting tonight, we don't have to wait till tomorrow, help our mouths to be used to bring in holiness, to bring life to people, to bring, uh, well, to speak your truth and nothing but your truth in a way that's pleasing to you and acceptable to you. And um, it will be the fragrance of Christ to those who are around us, God. Help us to build each other up, to build others up, to encourage them, um, to lead them to you, Lord. That's our first uh, member that we want to bring into control is, and under your power is our tongue, God. Help us to use our mouths appropriately. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer before you go, please come up. Be glad to pray with you. Otherwise, have a good rest of the week. We'll see you Sunday.